Welcome to the Tilted Podcast, and I'm your host, Sheila Walsh. In the Tilted Coaching Podcast, I'm committed to having real conversations with people who have lived experience of the topics we're discussing. And in today's episode, Arlene and myself will discuss historical childhood abuse and her experiences of recovery. I encourage anyone who's impacted or affected by this episode to contact supports in their local area, utilising Google or ringing helplines that will point them in the right direction. Your GP is also an option. If this topic is too difficult for you to listen to, this is your trigger warning to skip this episode. So today's episode is with Arlene and Arlene is going to speak to us about something that's very close to her heart and something that's really important to her. So Arlene, I'd like to thank you for being here with us today. How are you doing? I'm good, Sheila. Um, thanks a million for having me on. Um, it's a nice thing to be able to do on a Monday afternoon. Um, so thank you. Brilliant. So Arlene, I've invited you like I do everybody and I ask you to come and talk about something that is close to your heart, something that you're passionate about, something that's on your mind at the moment. And so would you tell us a little bit about what that is, what today's topic is in your own words? Of course, of course I will. Um, I suppose I need to kind of go back a little bit to come forward so you kind of know where I'm coming from. So um, approximately two years ago, um, I went to my GP and I spoke to him about something that was in my mind and my head for a very, very long time. And he referred me for counselling um, to be able to speak about it. So this topic was um, historic childhood abuse. Um, I always kind of knew that it was there, but I tried to put it into the back of my mind. And then when my son became the age that I was, um, it really, really triggered something within me. Um, so I had about a year and a half of holding it together before I went to my GP. Um, mm. But once it surfaced at all, there was no really putting a lid back on it. Mm. Um, it needed to be spoken about. So he referred me to my local rape crisis centre in Midwest um, and I went on the waiting list um, for counselling. So mm. while I was on the waiting list for the counselling, um, things kind of took, a, a, not a turn for the worst. Well, back then I probably, I felt that it did. But I spoke openly to the people involved and the person in question admitted his wrongdoing. Um, and that's kind of where it all has started. So okay. I had to wait for a couple of weeks um, to get my, my first counselling session with them. And from there, um, I've kind of gone on a whirlwind of a journey over the last two years that I've hit my rock bottom. I've came back up. I've gone back down again. Um, and it has been quite a difficult journey, but I'm definitely reaping the benefits of mm. it now coming out the other side. Mm. Um, my health, I'm sorry. So no, I, I suppose I was going to recap that before, before we, we came onto, onto this call, we were talking a little bit about like the language that, that you'd use around w what the journey's been like. And I think we, we, you'd kind of said like the word recovery um, and and recovering and your life really from, from it. And I know you, like I've invited you because I've seen you on Instagram. If anyone's not following Arlene on Instagram, you need to be. Arlene's stories are very honest, but very, very helpful. Um, and I suppose one of the things that really stood out is, and we said this in the beginning is like, it's very early in the journey and yet it, it's quite a good bit in. So 
kind of where you're sitting at today now will you tell us a little bit because I know you mentioned your health and your mental health will you tell us a little bit about what that shaped like how that was presenting and how you've been helping yourself around those so basically um I suppose none of us um know when like I wouldn't have known what it was like to speak out about historical um abuse I, Mm. I didn't know the effect that was going to have on me um people think that if you just go to counselling that you're talking about it, but you're actually working really, really hard on yourself and you, you have to figure out who you are, where you, you came from and you need to, you're kind of derailed a little bit and you need to kind of get back up on those um, um, railway tracks and go forward. Um, all of last year, it was horrendous. Um, I was diagnosed with depression back in the end of May. Um, I also was suffering from an eating disorder. Um, I was doing an awful lot of binging and purging, but mm. apparently these are all characteristics of someone that's trying to get through a trauma, regardless of whether it was abuse or not. These things mm. can happen. So I went off and I took my antidepressants, and that's fine. I had no problem doing it because I was trying. Like I didn't. I wanted to be in control of my life. Still, I didn't want it to fall apart. I wanted to do everything that the doctors were telling me the counselors were telling me and any bit of support that was around me because mm. you know I I have such a great life and I wanted I didn't want to lose that I wanted to embrace my life and and if there was any benefit of all this I wanted to find it um so I had to you know go through all that and then just after Christmas this year I took to Instagram and I started mm. speaking mm. and I don't know how I did it it just happened one morning um or one after I can't remember it was one day anyway um, I was working and I was either on my way to work or I was at home at lunchtime and I popped on and I started talking um openly about my life and where I was at and the first thing I spoke about was my depression and Mm. another video a couple of weeks later I spoke about um the binge eating and the sexual abuse because I didn't like I it was never planned it just kind of came out organically Mm. you know and the Instagram alone and I suppose it was over on Facebook as well I realized then that I wasn't alone now number one the people were like couldn't get over that I that I spoke so openly number one um, mm. it, I definitely reached people um, you know for depression side of things mm. and to the abuse side of things and I definitely triggered a lot for people um, I've been like very very honored to have heard an awful lot of stories but listening to myself, and I always describe it when you're yapping away on the phone and you know it as well, I always felt like, there I am yapping to myself. So how is this helping me? And I remember one day I just went, because I'm listening to myself. So mm. I I would talk on Instagram, but I may not listen to myself till later. And I started listening back and I nearly started going, God, she's dead right. Wow. Okay. <laughs> and I started taking my own advice, <laughs> you know, and I okay. think that's what helps. So you know letting the public know definitely for some people wouldn't have been a role you know that this wasn't something they would like to do but for me it 100% worked and I talked for the whole since March of this year up to now I've talked through my journey of my recovery because that's exactly as you said that is it is Mm. what it is and there's a freedom that I can't actually describe it's just so lovely Mm. um if, if you just put the work in because nobody else can do it for you 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 mm. have to do it for yourself um you know and then i sa- said you know where would i be if i didn't have the rape crisis center like they yeah. offered me counseling once a week um every wednesday for the last two years nearly 
Mm. And it's only in the last couple of months that I realised it because obviously I was in a bad place all of last year and I just went with the counselling. But now I've realised what it has done for me. And I decided, you know what, now I need to give back to them. I want to do fundraising and everyone's mm. the same. It's been at the opposite end of a charity. You want to give back. So um, the local paper, the Clare Champion, um, said that advertise. I decided I was doing an 80s disco. So because everyone okay. loves dancing. And, you know, yeah. and that's, it kind of came from, if I'm being honest, the idea. And I don't know whether I said this on Instagram, but it actually came from my son going to his first teenage disco that I went, wouldn't this be lovely if I had a disco? Um, oh. And yeah, because I, I, I don't. Yeah, I like I remember my teenage years, the bad times, but I don't really remember it. Like I hmm. a lot of my years are kind of gone. My secondary school years are gone from my memory completely. So I kind of went, wouldn't it be lovely that we had a disco um, just for adults and bring hmm. back the, the good times. So that's kind of where it's come from. And I'm doing the slow set and I'm doing <laughs> kind of a, blue, a balloon drop at 12 o'clock. Oh, I love know, it. Yeah, and that's where the idea came from. And I said, I'll kind of relive my teenage years now as an adult. And that's where, where it came from. And that paper, the Clare Champion, said, look, would you like to speak to us? And we feel that there might, you might have something that you would like to, mm. that our audience would like to hear. And I said, yes, like to yourself, Sheila, I didn't give it any, any <laughs> like it didn't cause. I just went with it. And that paper came out five weeks ago. And... I'm not joking you, the amount of people it happens on a daily basis that have shared their story with me, mm. it's actually quite scary. Like mm. it might be exactly the same, but you know, very, very similar. And I've had elderly people crying to me at like yeah. 70, 75 years of age and they're going, they wish that they were able to speak out um, when they were younger. Yeah. I've had girls my age, I've had men my age in thereabouts mm. coming to me telling me their stories and and some have got got help or some have shared it with their partners and and I suppose this is kind of all I want is for other people not to be trapped mm. you know for as long as I was because it was nearly 30 years and like I haven't had a bad life like I I really haven't had a bad life but at the same time it definitely affected my life and mm me you know majorly really I suppose it did you know like yeah. I'm single I'm single now and there's, there's nothing wrong with that but people don't realize um the effect mm. of something like that happening to you what effect it has actually on your life and I only realized it in the last six months that wow I always thought every guy that I went out with or was seen that there was always the other way you'd be joking with your girlfriends going oh there's something wrong with him drop <laughs> without him um, and I went through years of that. And mm. but it's not that there was anything wrong with me, but it was definitely I couldn't trust anybody. Mm. I wasn't able to to let them into my life or to love me. Yeah. And, you know, and nobody, God, everyone deserves to to feel love and give love. And, you know, it's kind of it's essential, really, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And I suppose what what's standing out to me is that, you know, I think we presume as a society that um, when traumatic things happen to us, it we react in a very big way i think that the the impacts of of things like abuse or any other traumas are often everyday subtle impacts and exactly. i say subtle but i i suppose we have a picture of what very unwell looks like or very traumatized looks like but actually a lot of us are walking around in our everyday lives 
carrying the weight of our history in a way that we don't even know we're carrying it. Um, yeah. And I think that's yeah. what, what you're naming when you bring that awareness to your own journey um, is actually acknowledging that some of these things, the way we live is of course impacted by our experiences for, for better and for worse, the good and the bad. Yeah. You know. yeah, the good, the bad and the ugly, isn't that what you say? Yeah. But yeah. You, yeah, and it is. I mean, I was very, like if you call me successful in my 20s, I worked really, really hard. Um, I always kept a job down. But one of the telltale signs, um, looking back at it now, was I couldn't hold a relationship down. Mm. I was always sick. And this comes from when I was younger too, because I was always sick as well. And apparently this is, you're looking for attention, you're looking for, mm. for love in, in a different way. And this would have been, even up to right now, that's kind of what happens to me. I've been very sick over the last 12 months. And, mm. and you know, you kind of want people around you when you're sick and to mind you and look after you. And, mm. and that's okay though. I, I kind of like it now because, you know, in my 20s and 30s, I probably wouldn't have been as ill. I just worked, I worked, I worked. And then I had mm. my son. And it was after I had my son, really, that I realized, you know what, now, I had a bit of a distraction for a couple of years because mm. I had to put my focus into him. But as I said, when he came to the age, then I realized, no, you know, Arlene, there, there's, there is more to life than, okay, you're raising your son, which is brilliant. You're giving mm. him the best that you can possibly give him. But there's still you. Like you yeah. can't live with this, like you can't go around with this weight on your shoulders um, for the rest of your life. And I think since I took that weight off my shoulders and I know it sounds like a cliche, but it's really, really true. Like since I lifted that burden off me, mm. it's, it's just amazing. I, I wish I could describe it because it, it's like a love. It's a place that I've never recognized before. It's, mm. you know, I can make my own decisions now. I, I always look for other people to help me make decisions in life. But now it's like, no, I'm able to make them. You know, mm. I, I don't overreact anymore. You know, the people we can overreact about mm. different things in life. Now I just take my life. I take it day by day. Um, that's all I can do. Mm. I love the people that are around me in the circle of friends and my family. You know, mm. and but I take the bad days as well because, as yeah. you said there at the beginning as well, like, you know, I'm still going through it. The, the I'm still going to counselling. Um, they haven't let go of me yet, even though I've tried to leave a couple of times. <laughs> you yeah. sound like and me like, trying to get out of it, but knowing you have to. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny, like, because like I'm really good. I've always had like respect for people in authority. Anyway, all my life, I always have done, and. You know, I, I act like, well, if, if they're telling me I have to stay, I better stay. Whereas a lot of people would just go. Whereas me, I'm like, well, no, she obviously sees something in me that I'm not fully out the other end of it now. And, you know, I go with that because she's the professional. I'm not. Um, but I will do as I'm told. Um, I really listen to myself now. I mean, mm. like, I'm so good now at spending time with myself. And if that was a year ago, one of my main things were, was that I needed people to be around me still mm. all the time. Um, with my friends, my family, I always felt a bit needy. Whereas now, for example, yesterday, I take Sunday off now is one of my challenges I'm doing at the minute out of oh, social brilliant. media. And it's the best thing. I was able to spend the whole day on myself, on my own yesterday here at home oh, wow. um, with my little dog. My son was out playing and he was happy out. But I wasn't like, I was in mighty form. Like mm. I was in great form. I was able to do that. And there was no cloud over me anymore. So mm. if, you know, it is like, there's another part of like that freedom that I never had before. Whereas now I can sit on my own and there's nothing going on anymore, which is good. Yeah. Mm. And I, I think that that's a lovely point. I think that 
sometimes we just live the way that we live and until we review why we live that way we don't even know we're doing it so for lots of people being on our own is very triggering and and they know that so they avoid it or we avoid it you know and then it gets to a point where there's an awareness to why that might be that way and I think I think that then then you start to see like you said that freedom emerge you know that actually I don't have to live this way that I've always been living even though it's been my normal um and for a long time I didn't question it but I think as you kind of do I, I think counseling is is massively helpful and especially specialized counseling like the rape crisis center for anything around sexual um yeah. you know any any type of sexual abuse or or um harm then when people are specialized like that they un there's a holding this this my understanding of it a holding in a way that maybe somebody general wouldn't necessarily hold um because i know with the rape crisis center i would refer a good fit to them because okay. you know i think the people are becoming more vocal about you know acknowledging things that have happened but not necessarily knowing where to go um and i think the rape crisis center has been one of the strongest supports i've seen in, in our community like i'd be in cork when i'd be referring to them predominantly um so you know i think i think that everything you're saying makes sense and i've heard it before which is which is another reason yeah. i wanted you on is that i've heard it but a lot of the time we hear it in private confidential settings or you know amongst friends and and because of that there's an isolation even in the recovery um and and i that's what i love about what you're doing it, it's it's about not isolating in the recovery we're isolated often in the harm and in and in the secrecy and in the pain but actually there's community in the recovery and i think that that's oh. lovely that's what i hear you saying even about people coming up to you it's that community piece that connection it is. like i always say to see me there at my hashtag nothing changes nothing changes mm. like if, if i was to continue my life the way i've always continued it like then I just don't see the point of the last two years. We have to change. We have to adapt, um, you know, which is always going to be better for us anyway in the, in, in the long run, you know. Um, and what you said there about, you know, when you're in recovery, recovery for something like I've often had conversations with friends over the last two years and they thought because I wasn't talking about it, that therefore I was fine and things were going mm. tickety-boo. But in fact, that wasn't the case. Like I, like, that's why I like I like a lot of my friends wouldn't actually be on social media. So that's when Instagram really helped me. They wouldn't have known I was talking to um, the audience of Instagram or Facebook. Yeah. And, and that still was helping because, you know, as you said, you can't keep, as you said, I've been isolated for long enough, even though I'm the most sociable person you'd ever meet. But I couldn't go back there. Like I'm well mm. able to talk about it now. And I'm not ashamed. I'm not embarrassed of it. Um, I definitely won't let it define me either, though, because yes. you know there's more to me than my past. You know, like mm. you know, I'm a great friend. I'm a great mother, a great daughter. You know, I'm fun. I'm bubbly. You know, like, and I wouldn't take that from me. But now, everything else that I've learned in the last two years, it's just going to make a better version of me. Um, mm. all you know, everything, um, warts and all, now going forward. You know, mm. and I'm not afraid to speak my mind. I used to be. Whereas mm. now I kind of need to say what's on my mind because if I don't, it kind of eats away at you. So mm. I just don't see the point of holding on to anything anymore. Like, you know, better out than in is what I say. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And it's true. Like, and, it, and what you're saying would resonate with, with my own kind of observation of similar journeys or 
my especially in the kind of work I do or peer groups you know you're not saying anything outside the lines you're just saying it whereas most people aren't able to say it publicly and I think that that's a real power of what you're doing um is finding a place where you can share it so before we finish what I'm wondering two things so one thing is what is your based on your personal experience what would be the three pieces of pieces of advice you'd give to somebody who is about to go on the journey of, of discussing it or is about to reach out to the right crisis center and what what would be good for them to know or to have in their pocket to support them on this part of the journey that's the first I thing i think i think number one is don't be afraid um, to keep talking even if you're talking to your your doctor or your, your professional I think you need to openly speak to your family and friends throughout it you know just don't keep it to yourself how you're feeling because you need that support around you um, okay so 100%. And, and okay so you're saying speak to people I would put a caveat and say make sure that the people you're speaking to are able to have that conversation yeah because it could also be very jarring if you have the conversation with someone who isn't there a hundred percent and you so, might have heard me say that a few weeks ago yeah i did that's why i'm naming it yeah <laughs> it's like you have to choose your audience and so i have a a case of an, an emergency friend now that you know that i had to nominate so if i really needed to speak to, to somebody i kind of ring her um and that she's actually hearing what i say as opposed mm. to just listening to me and going off into their own world and into their own lives that you know pick pick a person just pick a person um that that's able to hear you and and that will come back and ask you are you okay because mm. you know i kept smiling throughout all of this um, yeah. i'm being honest and you know that's why a few cracks came in it throughout the last 18 months but yeah just find that right person outside of your counselor or your professional and and share with them if you're having a bad day as well mm. um what would be another one i would think don't be hard on yourself oh, um yeah it's okay if you put on 10 pounds or if you put on a stone throughout the journey of it because yeah. you know we're only all human and every and every person is different so there's no there's no kind of combination or oh, this is what you need to do when you come out the other side of it like i've had try and have the tears have the tantrums eat the food eat the chips do what you need to do to make sure that you're okay um, all that other stuff will fall into place again hmm. but you know let it be and get your rest get your sleep um because emotional stuff actually drains it i, I it, it just takes yes. so much out of you so you have to recover um, at night time so that would be another thing just make sure that you're getting your sleep hmm. um because it's really important okay okay so the sleep the connections like your professional steps and then also trying to build up people around you who you can be you with um, yes. and picking them wisely i love the don't be hard on yourself because often we're trying to do everything perfectly on top of the recovery that we're in you know and it's it's like whoa, 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 whoa. you have enough going on yeah yeah i'm always hard on myself like i mean look at me now at my 52 week challenges now look at my first 52 week challenge was to take alcohol out of my life for a year now if i'm being honest if that's the only thing i do for 52 weeks then i think it'll be the best thing i've ever done mm. for myself because i came off my medication um, back in august and i said you know what now people say that drink can be a depressant and it's definitely a stimulant as well that maybe i should take it out of the equation 
and put mm. 100% into me over the next 52 weeks. And then mm. obviously if you want to drink after that, it's fine. But I, I just, I'm trying to take away the things that would kind of, you know, deter me on my journey. Whereas mm. so taking that out is brilliant. Other, my other challenges I'm doing, which are, to be honest, I am probably still being a bit hard to my own self that I, <laughs> I feel I need, I'm trying to put, put it all back together again. Whereas in fact, I'm realizing every Monday when I set a challenge, I'm going, oh, Arlene, all you have to do is like that is just be nice to yourself and, mm. and do our best because that's all any of us can do in life is our best, isn't it? Mm. That's it. And I love, like I'm laughing about the challenges because we mm. do that. We, we know what's good for us. And some reason we think it's not good enough what we think is good for us. And we go off and set ourselves up to do, to do a million else. things. Yeah. You know, Whereas like I'm doing, I'm doing such great things at myself um, mm. at the moment. I mean, I, I really, really am. And, and I can see the benefit. I mean, people mm. are saying it to me, which is, which is great. Like a par- it's so funny, right? Customers are telling me at work that I've lost so much weight, right? But yes, right. I have. I have a stone weight on. But That's apparently, gosh. whatever way I'm looking, people think I am. And I think it's just that darkness has gone from me that mm. I'm. I'm just oozing kind of happiness, and you know that there is a, 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 there is light there for me. And mm. that's what's coming true. So I'm trying to hang on to that and realize, you know what, Arlene, if that's done weight, it, it'll be grand. Don't worry about it. It's only weight. You're more important. <laughs> isn't isn't yeah. that the truth, though? You're more important. Yeah. So often we're caught up in all these little like preoccupations with the most, when, we do, when you think about it, Arlene, the most bizarre things, right? When you look at the recovery that you're going through and you look at the journey and then, then the kind of distraction of the weight as if that somehow is a priority in the grand scheme if you fix that yeah, yeah the grand scheme of your beautiful life and you know what i mean as what if is that, it? yeah it's fascinating yeah. that we do that i think and but i also think that it is also part of the recovery it's learning what do we actually want to prioritize what are we choosing now not just how do we survive or how do we fit in or mm-hmm. how do we satisfy society's expectations but actually what life do I want to be living? So well, I, that's I, it. And, and I mean, people like have always loved me just for being early. They, they don't love me just because I'm a size twelve or, <laughs> you know, a size sixteen. It doesn't really matter. And and I've only realised that. Like, it's like it took me forever to get there, but now it's like okay, we all like to be a few pounds lighter. But it's not the end of the day. I'd rather wake up in the morning now, and full of ideas for my week mm. ahead, and have excitement within me, and that I can see a future. Whereas before I never did, I, I never, I thought that I wasn't, that, that I thought my life was mapped out the way it was. Mm. Whereas now it's like the opportunities that are coming my way are, they're just there and it's, it, they're at my, my grasp all the time now. And, I, and I'm really loving it, you know, and I'm letting myself like them, you know, which is good too. That's lovely. I, I think that that's a lovely point to close on as well, Arlene, is like mm-hmm. that you just thought your life was what it was, that yeah. you hadn't really explored the choices. And I think or the opportunities. And I think that's what rec- all sorts of recovery is about. Um, is actually, I get choices. It doesn't have to be based on my history, but I can't run away or ignore it. It's impacted me, but actually my future is based on my choices. Um, and that's it. I have decided, um, I, I don't know whether it's all my influence on Instagram and people around me and counseling, etc. but I'm actually starting and go back to college in two weeks time. I haven't told this to anybody. Oh, wow. Well, it's going to be big news now, public news. <laughs> public news. Um, well, I'm going back to my, the life and business coaching um, with the Institute in Dublin. Yeah. Oh, I love so it. I can't believe it. I only decided about two months ago. It kind of came to me and people would say, Arlene, would you not become a life coach? And I was like, well, I didn't even know what a life coach was. And I was like, oh no, I think I might go into counselling. And 
then it would kind of come back to me again. I was like, going, mm. Arlene, you're a talker. You're, you're more a talker than I, I can listen and I can listen well, but I'm really good at sharing advice and I like to help people. So, yeah, I'm starting um, the course is going to be till I think next May, one oh. weekend a month. Yeah, so this is big for me now because yeah. I haven't really studied since I left school. So, because um, I thought I wasn't able to. Whereas oh. now, yeah, I and, can't and believe it. Yeah, and Arlene, even your experience, like having done not that course, but having done multiple around coaching, mm. what I will say is that your lived experience becomes one of the foundations to how you hold space for others. Um, yeah. So, you know what I mean? Like, you're already bringing a richness to it. So that's, that's fantastic. And I suppose I would say that to anyone listening, when we harness mm. our lived experience, regardless of what it is, regardless of how painful or challenging, there's a foundation in it. And Theory. we get to decide what we do with that. Like it doesn't you know, have to be what it, what it was. We get to no, decide what we do with that. And it doesn't, I hate, you know, I, I have a bit of a reaction to silver linings, not that I don't believe in them, but mm -hmm. you know, we can't dismiss the pain to validate the, the well-being or the happiness. They're both relevant. And I they think are because it is a fuel as well. It's just yeah. a fuel to push you forward and, and kind of, you know, respect the past, but yes. you know, look forward into your future. And this is what I suppose going to the college will do. Like it'll help me personally, which is like, if, if, if that's all I take from it, if I'm being honest, it'll be enough for me. Mm. But you know, who knows what's around the corner for me now and you know, the future is looking bright. So I'm excited. Oh, yeah, Brilliant. I, I love that. Well, Arlene, we'll leave it there for today. I, I think that the listeners, there's so much that you've said. There's, I, I like, you, there's so many things that I was thinking as you were saying it that was triggering me. So I can only imagine what value others are going to have from listening to it. So I'm going to leave it there with you today, and I'm going to pop your um, handle for your Instagram into the the show notes so that people Thank can you. actually come through and follow through, follow your journey a bit more. And um, so I want to just say thank you, and I want to say thank you beyond just being on the podcast, but you know, abuse is one of the things that is very, very hard to speak about because it's so triggering and it's so close to so many people. And when people like you make it public and make it safe for us to have the conversation, then it actually is bringing so much more into the, into the forefront. And it's what's going to move our society forward around this. It's not just um, yeah. I, this conversation. So I want to say thank you for actually opening the conversation. Not at all. Well, Not right? at all. It's my pleasure. And look, I always say if it only helps one other person, then I'm happy. And you know, so thank you for giving me the opportunity, Sheila. Like it's a it's a big thing to come on here, which is this afternoon. So thank you. Brilliant. And I Brilliant. wish you all the best going forward in your podcast. <laughs> uh, excellent. Thanks. That's excellent. I always get a bit nervous when people say I wish you this. I'm like, oh, but thank well, you. I appreciate I it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm like I just rocked up one day and decided this is what I do is record some good conversations. Um, yeah, isn't it? And well done because it is. I love listening to podcasts, so they're just they're, they, they are a breath of fresh air. It's yeah. lovely. Yeah, that's been it. So I'm going to say you. thank you and I'm going to pop your notes in. Um, and I'm sure we'll be touching base moving forward now. Please, God. Please, God. Excellent. Sheila, thanks a million. I All hope right. you have a lovely day. No other. Take care. <laughs> Take care. Bye, my love. Bye bye. If you have been affected by anything discussed in this episode, please seek support. Thanks for listening to The Tilted Podcast and I'm your host, Sheila Walsh. If you'd like to sponsor The Tilted Coaching Podcast, simply pop over to patreon.com slash tiltedcoaching and sponsor the podcast for as little as a cup of coffee a month. 
if I didn't say it correctly, pop over to the link in the bio, visit the Patreon page and become a sponsor. Thanks a million.